1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Moreover, brethren, I would not have that ye should be ignorant. I would not that you should be ignorant how that all, somebody say all, all, all our fathers, all of them were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. This is important. They, they all did it. It was... They didn't have any choice. They did it. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. If I had six months, I'd get started on that one verse right there. Amen. I want to preach to you today from something I feel like the Lord dropped in my spirit. I just want to preach to you. It's a simple title, and it's going to be a real simple sermon. But I want to preach to you today. This is not my promised land. This is not. <laughs> this is not my promised land. Amen. Lord, speak to your people today by the power of the word. Let us receive it today with joy and gladness in Jesus' mighty name. If you'll receive the word of the Lord, would you just say amen? amen. And I'd feel better if you'd give the Lord a hand clap for his precious word today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God. You may be seated. Obviously, I was not here Wednesday night. We were at conference, and uh, so I, I didn't get a chance at all. But uh, I want to say today, wish a great, big, happy, belated birthday to my mother. Woo! Thursday was her birthday, and she, did, she didn't even get to buy me dinner for her birthday. But we're going to work on that. I believe she's got a credit card that will work, so we're going to make that happen. Amen. Happy birthday, Mother. This church loves you and thanks God for you. Amen. Amen. October the 7th, the world forever changed. There's only one like her. Amen. There's only one like her. 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, um, I got a little nervous this morning. I never, I never on a weekly basis communicate with uh, the men that teach in our adult Bible class on Sunday morning. And I got a little bit nervous this morning when Brother Stephen started jumping in uh, to 1 Corinthians 10 and 1. And I thought, if that sorry sucker starts teaching what I'm going to preach, uh, I'm going to have to work something else up. But uh, it's a powerful picture of the Exodus story summed up very quickly. He said, I, I would have you to understand. I, I don't want you to be ignorant. In, in other words, I want all of you to be cognizant of the fact. Please know that all of our fathers, they had to come out of Egypt. He said, all of our fathers, they had to pass through the water. All of our fathers, they had to get underneath the cloud. This is so beautiful. I was teaching someone the other day about the new birth message. And this is so beautiful in the scripture. It's not like God just comes up with an idea and throws it on people and it's like, well, there's something fresh and new. How many of you believe when the word said that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, that means he's always had a plan? 
And how many of you believe that that lamb is the one that John Baptist introduced when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world? Can I tell you today, you have never had anything broken in your life that God didn't already have a plan on how to fix it. I know that sin is ugly and I know that sin has done some terrible things and the consequences are horrible and there are consequences that you have to pay that cannot be reversed. I understand that. I, I, I know that, that sometimes you have to carry the weight of things that you did. But I'm glad that even though there may be residue in my life and there may be scars in my life of what I've been through, I'm thankful that by his mercy, my sin does not define me. My past does not define me. I want you to know that this was a generation that dwelled in Egypt, but all the time they lived in Egypt, they were not considered Egyptian. They were in Egypt, but they were not of Egypt. They lived in Egypt and they worked in Egypt, but they were not Egyptians. As a matter of fact, Faith's Hall of Fame records in Hebrews that Moses, when he came of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to suffer the affliction of Christ rather than the riches of Egypt. You must understand today that there were those that had no choice. They were born in Egypt. That's where they were born. They were born there. They were born slaves. They were born living in Egypt. I didn't have a choice. I was born in sin, and I was shapen in iniquity. I was born in sin. I, I didn't have any choice. I was born a sinner. I know that it's hard for you to believe that today because I'm so perfect. Oh, Lord. If there's anybody that believes that in this house, you've lost your mind. My Lord, I'm the chiefest among you. Well, almost. Listen, I, I was born that way. It wasn't anything I could do. I was born with no hope. I was born into sin, shaping in iniquity. In other words, I was born a problem child. I didn't learn how to lie. I didn't learn how to steal. It was in me. That's who I was. But thank God that he didn't wait for me to get it all right and get it all together and then come up with a plan. I'm glad to report to you today in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for us. And so the beauty of this is that the Lord gives us his word over and over and over and over. His word is a constant trend. It's always working. And so when we look at the New Testament, and we hear what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, or the answer that he gave. If you don't like calling it a sermon, that's all right with me, because he was just answering a question. But they said, what should we do about this? He said, well, repent. 2 and 38, be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What is this? It's the gospel. It's the message of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. It's the most supernatural work that will ever be. I've seen the Lord uh, straighten limbs up, and, and I, I've, I've seen the Lord open uh, blind eyes. I've seen the Lord open deaf ears. 
I've seen the dead raised. Those are all wonderful miracles. I've never seen a miracle that compares to somebody that's been buried in Jesus' name in baptism and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. There is no miracle like that anywhere that's ever transpired in the world like the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It takes me in the shape that I'm in. It picks me up, turns me around, takes my sin that was red as scarlet and washes it white as snow. It's beautiful. But it wasn't just a New Testament concept. This, this is unfolding before us in 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 the garden when adam and eve fell to their flesh i know some people like to blame the devil oh they gave in to the serpent no they didn't they gave in to their flesh i know the devil wishes he had that much authority well the devil made me do it no he didn't don't you lie on the devil and give him credit come on somebody Seen them, little, seen them little kids, they don't have to learn to say that, you know. Why in the world would you do that? The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He's never made us do anything. We have free will. And the scripture said that when Adam and Eve fell and they, they, they fell into sin, the Bible said that they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. That's a picture I'm glad I wasn't there to see. I tell you what, I, I've... I've seen some folks the last few days that fig leaves would have made them look pretty modest compared to what I've seen. That's the only good thing about cold weather in Indiana. People put their clothes back on. Woo! I'm not, try- I'm not trying to sound ugly, but there's a part of me sometimes that just wants to slip up and say, have you looked at that in the mirror? Me and my girls kind of have this little inside joke. I probably shouldn't tell this because it's going to sound ugly. But If you're ever with us and we're in public and you hear one of my girls say, just say no. They're not talking about drugs. They're talking about yoga pants. Because there's some folks that just. They should just say no. Do us all a favor. They tried to sew on fig leaves and it didn't work. What do you mean it didn't work? I'm saying my idea of holiness will always be less than his. And the scripture said that he, this is the first time we see bloodshed in the, in the scripture. He slays an animal and takes the skin of that animal and covers them. Why? Because it's not just a New Testament principle in Hebrews. Without the shedding of blood. There is no remission. When he, when he sheds the blood of that animal and he puts that, that, that garment, that skin on them, it's the covering up of their flesh. It took the shedding of blood to cover up their flesh. And fast forward to Exodus. When they're in trouble and they've turned their backs on God, they end up in, 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 in Egypt. And now there's an Exodus. God raises up uh, this boy in, in Pharaoh's home. His name was Moses. Raises him up to be their deliverer. You know, there's so many lessons that we could learn in life. Sometimes we get in such a hurry that we're always looking for the shortcut. Why didn't God just let them walk right out of Egypt into their promised land? Why didn't that happen? Because there was too much for us to learn. 
There was too much that was still in them that he had to get out of them. There were lessons that they had to learn. Why in the world did he take them out of Egypt and make them stand at the Red Sea where it looked like there was no way out? Because if you've never had to be delivered, you'll never know he's a deliverer. Sometimes we want the ministry of the transplant where he just picks us up out of trouble and puts us right in the promised land. And it don't work that way. I wish it did. I've prayed for the ministry of extraction many times in my life. God, just get me out of this. Get me out of this. And it's not till I get through it that I realize how he was forming my character and working on me and working on my mind and my spirit and teaching me things that I never would have learned if I didn't go through that. But there's a beautiful picture here. You will never... Now, don't fall over. This is so deep. You may, you may ought to put your floaties on, okay? I, I don't want you falling over in, a, in amazement of my wisdom right here. You will never walk into the promised land while you're living in Egypt. Can y'all handle that? I, I hope, I hope y'all fastened up now. This is deep. You cannot possess the promised land... When you're still getting mail in your mailbox in Egypt. It's a sad thing. And I'm not saying this to sound derogatory. But it's, it's made a lot of preachers have to lie. When people live like the world. And then they, 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 they go to their funeral. and Well he was a good man. Today they're dancing on the street of gold. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, don't ever worry about putting that pressure on me. I ain't lying for you. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to stand by your casket and try to second guess whether or not you made it. Because I'm not going to preach somebody from Egypt to the promised land. I still believe if you haven't passed through the water and got under the cloud, you're not going to enter the promised land. It's the beauty. It's the beauty. So we see this beautiful picture. It's laid out. It's, it, it's a gorgeous picture. It's type and shadow. That if you want to walk with God, you've got to leave your former life behind. Okay? Everybody say repentance. Repentance. This is the picture of repentance. You cannot stay in Egypt and call yourself a child of God. Why? Because now they know what they didn't. This is, it, it's beautiful. What was it that caused uh, the, 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 the last plague that caused them to be able to leave? What was it? It was the shedding of blood. The blood of the lamb. It was the Passover. It's beautiful. It's the most beautiful picture. The Lord never changed his plans, never changed his mind. Every home had to be covered in the blood and full of the lamb. If you're going to leave Egypt, the firstborn's going to stay alive. You've got to be covered in the blood and full of the lamb. He didn't change his mind. So they get covered in the blood, put it on the doorpost and the lintel. They take the lamb into their home. They've had to protect the lamb, kill the lamb, use the blood of the lamb, eat the lamb. They're sitting on their table. Now they're full of the lamb. Death passes through the land. And the next morning they wake up and only those that are covered in the blood have been saved and protected. This is not Pentecostal rhetoric. This is not apostolic judgmentalism. I still believe that if you're not covered in the blood, 
and full of the Lamb, then judgment is coming to your house. I still believe that. I didn't make that up. That doesn't make me a judgmental preacher. That's the way it was. He said, if you don't have the blood on the doorpost and the little, and your, your family's not full of the Lamb, you're as unprotected as the rest of Egypt. You can't sit in church enough to make the death angel pass over you. You can't dress good enough to make it pass over you. When I see the blood, somebody say the blood. Anybody here still believe in the power of the blood? Anybody here still believe it reaches to the highest mountain? Anybody here believe it still flows to the lowest valley? It'll find you anywhere you are, but you've got to have the blood. You've got to have the blood. He said, if you don't have the blood, it's going to come to your house like it does everybody else. It was not, Lord, I wish I could preach this. Why did he do this? Because he let them know, yes, you're Israelites and they're Egyptians, but it's not your blood that's going to save you. It's not the difference in your blood and your veins and theirs. You don't get saved just because you're an Israelite. It's not your blood that saves you. It's the blood of the Lamb that saves you. Man. And so there was death, and, and, and this is repentance. This is the covering in the blood. And then they changed their address. I believe there were Israelites in Egypt that even though they were in slavery, they probably loved their home. There were good women there that had made a home. A lot of meals had been prepared in them homes. Had children. Raised their kids in those homes. Had memories there. Had, uh, had hanging up in there in the kitchen by the, by the stove they had, where their kids had, had, had drawn with rocks on a little slate and Made pictures for their mom and dad. I guarantee there were memories there. But the memories of where they were could not be more powerful than their desire to get out. Then I'm trying to help somebody here. I, I want to break this down where it makes sense to you. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot allow the memories of yesterday to keep you in the bondage of where you are. Or you will never taste of the freedom of the promised land. Do you know what their concern was? What are we going to wear? What are we going to eat? How are we going to do that? This is where we've been fed. This is where we've been clothed. Yeah, they, they beat us to a bloody pulp. Yeah, it's bad. But isn't it amazing how much good you can find in Egypt when your soul's not settled and satisfied? They get out in the wilderness. The Lord's taking care of them. They're like, oh, should we go back? I miss the leek, the garlic, and the onions. Isn't it amazing what they missed was the flavor of something. It was the taste of what they had. They had been there long enough that they had acquired a taste for Egypt that even the presence of God couldn't satisfy till they got sick of it. They had to be willing to walk out. Now, I'm moving slow right now, but stay with me. So they walk out of Egypt because you can't stay there. If you believe it, say amen. And as they walk out, Pharaoh and his army come up behind them. How many of you are familiar with the story? So I can kind of abbreviate this morning. Pharaoh and his army, they're coming out of Egypt. They're following up behind him. Then they come to a Red Sea. Why did he make them go to the Red Sea? Because he's always had a plan. Listen, I, I, I just want you to see this picture. There's water in front of them and pass behind them. They've already walked out. 
They've changed direction. But their past is still pursuing them. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying repentance doesn't forgive sin. There's water in front of me, but my past is still chasing me. Why didn't God just leave my past back there? Because all you did was leave. Change your mind. Change your address. But you haven't passed through the water yet. Look, I hadn't even, I, I'm not even preaching an axe. Are y'all seeing the necessity for baptism yet? He paints a picture. Here comes my past running after me. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Get in the water. What, Lord, what, what, what are we going to do? Hey, take the staff, it's in your hand. Here it goes, water parts. What do we do now? Just walk. Walk in, get in. All right, I'm in, I'm in. I'm walking through the water. Get done, turn around, look. Here comes my past. Oh no, I've been baptized. Now my past is still chasing me. What am I going to do? The same hands that opened up, the same power that opened up that Red Sea are getting ready to close. And the Bible said that Pharaoh and his army, the horse and the rider, they were all buried in the sea. Listen, when you walk out of Egypt, you can know this. Your past is going to chase you. But when you go down in that watery grave of baptism, everything that's been chasing you goes under the water and it can't touch you anymore. My, my. Woo! I'm glad I've been buried in the name of the Lord. Yeah, this was a new idea the apostles came up with. I don't know. They're sitting around, sitting around, talking around the table after Jesus. I don't know. I, I think maybe we ought to introduce an idea of baptism. Oh, no. <laughs> These men understood. They studied. The Exodus, they studied the law, they studied the prophets. They, this wasn't a new idea to them. Listen, it's the shedding of blood, it's the death, it's the teshuva, the leaving, the repentance, walking out, passing through the water. It's, it's being buried in the watery grave. It's all that my past is buried, but my past is the only thing that died because I still got life. But on this side of the water, it's new life because what's pursuing me is not pursuing me anymore. My old man's buried. Now, I'm, I'm out here walking now. I, I, I'm, I'm living a new life. But I'm in a wilderness. And it gets cold at night. And it gets hot in the daytime. What am I going to do? Well, just so you know, he's not finished. Because all your fathers didn't just walk through the water. They got under the cloud. And the Lord said, I'm going to cover my people as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And I'm going to hover over them. And when they see the cloud move or the fire move, it's time for them to move. And it's going to dwell over the tabernacle that they're going to build. They don't know it yet, but my presence, that cloud, is going to be the marker of the tabernacle. Mm. So here we are. We've got out of Egypt. We've passed through the water. We've got under the cloud. What do I do? Sure, there's something better than this, Pastor. Surely to God, I didn't repent of my sins, get baptized in Jesus' name, get under the cloud, filled with the Holy Ghost for this. I heard it preached many times when I was a kid that the infilling of the Holy Ghost was the promised land. 
It's a promise. Hey, we, we've reached our promise saying we get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm glad I went back and read Exodus again. Because I want to tell you this Holy Ghost sings good. But it's not my promised land. Oh, no. This world is not my home. I am just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I thank God that I got to leave Egypt. And I thank God that I passed through the water. And I thank God that he filled me with the Holy Ghost. But this is not my home. And this is not my promise. The cloud was not to make them so comfortable that they never wanted to leave the wilderness. It was the cloud that kept them by day and the pillar of fire that kept them by night. It was not their promised land. It was the protection of God. I'm telling you right now that this old wilderness we live in, it's different to those who are in covenant with the cloud. That I didn't give you my spirit for you to fall in love with this world. I didn't give you my spirit for you to fall in love with this wilderness. The Bible tells us in Exodus, the third chapter, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Exodus 3, if you have your Bibles, Exodus 3, 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. He said, I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Watch this now. And to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I love this right here. He said the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites. Why does that matter, Pastor? He said because there's somebody else living there right now. But I'm about to kick them out because that's not their land. I'm about to give them territory. I'm about to give them new territory. It's a promise. And listen, he didn't bring you out for you to fall in love with the wilderness. He brought you out because there is a promised land. There's things we got to learn while we're in the promised land, uh, while we're in the wilderness before we get to the promised land. You can't take your love for idolatry with you into the promised land. That was all supposed to get buried in the water back there. But just as soon as Moses goes up into the mountain, guess what happens? Burn that down. We need it. They're over here forming it up, forming it up, forming it up. You know what was happening right here? It was a moment of transition in the hearts of the people. And I'm fixing to preach. It's going to get heavy for about three minutes. This is the moment that every single man, woman, and child that's going to live for God, they come in contact with this moment right here. Here's the moment. Let, let, let's just look at the big picture. What was Moses doing in the mountain? What was God speaking to him at Sinai? The law. Okay? God was telling Moses what he was going to require of the people. And while God was speaking what he's going to require of them, they said, we would rather have a God that we can control than one that wants to control us. 
If we'll form a God in our image the way we want it to be, then we can manipulate it and tell it what we want to do and how we want to do it. We can tell him how committed we want to be. We can tell him how much we want to pay. We can tell him how much we're willing to give of our lives. But what's going on up there, it's going to cost a little bit more than we want to pay. Listen, you're going to come to the place in your life where you realize this. If you're going to walk with God, it's going to cost you something. And if you don't walk with him and love his commandments, then all you're doing is forming your own idol gods and allowing that God to be manipulated by your voice instead of you following after his voice. Woo! I told you now everybody can breathe deep. I preached it. It's good. We got it off the table. You either got to fall in love with his commandments or fall in love with something that you created. But I'm not going to fall in love with what I've created when I can love what created me. Come on, somebody say amen or oh me. He said, I'm taking you out of the land of Egypt. And I'm taking you to a land, a large land, he said. A land that flows with milk and honey. Understand me when I tell you today that they were excited about the land of Canaan when they left Egypt. And this is how it is when we come to God and we're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like the zeal of a new convert. Nothing. Man, they are so excited about living for God until they get weighed down with the weight of the wilderness. When the wilderness gets heavy, they forget about the promise and they start pushing backwards. It was easier back here. You know why it was easier? Because you didn't own Egypt. Egypt owned you. I preached this several months ago on a Wednesday night. When they got to the border of their inheritance and they're looking into the land, the scripture said that Canaan was a land, which is modern Israel now, said it was a land that consumed its inhabitants. What did that mean? It meant that when they got there, every man got his own acre and had to invest in his fields and had to tend to his own house and had to put manure on his own field. Woo! I'm trying to preach to somebody right here. It's always more expensive to possess than it is to be possessed. Mm-mm-mm. Why don't I just go back to what I was? Because then I can let the world make decisions for me. You'll always be a slave. I said you'll always be a slave. As long as you're hungry for Egypt, you'll always be a slave. But if you'll follow that cloud, if you'll follow the Spirit of God through this wilderness of life and be led by the Spirit of God, you, you, you listen to what I'm telling you right now. That cloud never did move backwards. That cloud never did move back towards Egypt. That cloud was constantly moving. Even when they got to the mountain and they can pass the mountain, the cloud stayed right there until the Lord said, all right, you've compassed this mountain long enough. Move you northward. Listen, the cloud, the Spirit of God is never going to move you back. He's always going to move you towards your destiny and toward your promised land. Don't you get tangled up in the wilderness and forget that you've got a promise. Feel like, I feel like I can say this today without any 
fear trepidation of being wrong whatsoever because I believe this with all my heart. I believe that some of us love this life so much that heaven is rarely on our mind. Come on now. You don't have to say man, but say oh me or something. The decisions that we make are not decisions that move us toward the promise. They're usually decisions that keep us in the wilderness. And we, we, we live in this, this, this space of existence, if you would. If I could paint this picture, I'm trying to paint it in a hurry to get it to you today because I feel like God wants to do something in here. But it's like we learn to survive in this in this space of blessing and grace and mercy, it's like we wake up every morning and there's manna there. And then we gripe about the manna, we wake up and there's quail there. And God just takes care of it, no problem. We're, ne- we're, 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 we're never cold at night. We're never hot in the day. He just, he just takes care of us. And so we get stuck in this deal. Well, I just, I'm, I'm going to go to church this week. And I, you know, I, I don't know. If I meet somebody, I'll talk to them. If I don't, what? it's like we're just, we're existing just happy to be existing. I'm just, just glad to be here, Pastor. Just glad, just glad to be in the house of God. Listen, do you know what these times of refreshing are for in the house of God? It's for us to come here and get a taste of the promised land. It's for us to walk into this house and get a glimpse of heaven that's so strong that when we walk out of here, we're not hungry for this old world. But we're saying, Lord, I got a taste of it today and I can't wait till I get there. I can't wait till I make it to the promised land. I didn't just come to church to dress up. I didn't just come to church to be seen. I came to get a taste of heaven. I don't need this world. I've heard teenagers say it. I may or may not have. I don't know. Say, man, I hope the Lord waits till I get my driver's license before it comes back. Oh, man, I've, I was in youth ministry for a long time. And they'd say, man, pastor, I sure hope I get to get married before the Lord comes back. I mean, don't get me wrong. She's a heavenly angel. I'm going to tell you what happens. Listen to me. The more attached we get to things and people and stuff, the less hungry we are for heaven. Man, I hope the Lord lets me make, make more money than I've ever made before he comes back. For what? I hope I, fin- I hope I finally get to where I'm making 150000 a year. But I'm going to have to miss more church than I've ever missed to make it. Stop. That's the wilderness wanting to keep you here. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? I'm not interested in falling in love with this old world so much that heaven sounds less and less sweet to me every day. Have you, have you ever thought about this? That everybody, I know you have because this, this, is, this is kindergarten preaching. Everybody in the world is doing their best to get more gold and add more value to their life. Only to get to heaven and find out the only thing they use gold for in heaven is pavement. Come on somebody. Oh, I wish I could afford more diamonds. I wish I could afford more pearls. You do realize that all 12 gates are single individual pearls. 
You do realize the walls are jasper. This is not my promised land. This is not the whole God. I've been, I've, been, I've been trying to find it. I think maybe if there was another translation that King James we could find, we would find in there somewhere that somebody gets to tug a U-Haul with them through the pearly gates. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. It might be in the NIV. Who knows? Don't fall in love with this present world. Because the things that you love down here have no value over there. That's why Jesus said, set your affection on things above, not on things beneath. Listen, it's a fact whether we like it or not. I hate to think about ever leaving my babies. I hate to think about loss. But listen to what I'm telling you. There's coming a day that everything I've been and everything I've made, it's going to pass away if the Lord don't come back. They're going to lay me in the ground and my body is going to decay. But understand me when I tell you the things that I leave behind that tell my children, don't be hungry for this world. Get hungry for the promised land. That's going to live on. Because when moth and rust doth corrupt, up and my body doth decay Job said it like this in my flesh I will see God don't 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 fall in love with it I'm going to tell you all this morning just give me a few minutes here to break some things down for you but I came this morning with a message of hope for you this is not my promised land there's a place that I'm going to this beyond anything I've ever imagined. It's better than we've ever even dreamed. I've heard it quoted, I don't know, I, there's no way to measure, a thousand times at funerals in my life when people are they're trying to talk about heaven, you know, and they say, well, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. If you just start Googling uh, scriptures about heaven, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, what God prepared for them that love. Everybody says that's about heaven. It's not at all. Because you read the next verse, it said, but the Spirit hath revealed them unto us. The Spirit's already revealed to us the things that eyes haven't seen, ears have not heard. So what I'm saying to you is heaven is going to be so much greater than anything you've ever imagined. Your eyes haven't seen it. Your ears haven't heard it. But what God's prepared for us, we've already got that. That's the Holy Ghost. But this Holy Ghost is not my promised land. You understand what I'm saying? Stay with me right here. Don't run off and leave me, Lucille. I want to help somebody. We are closer to the promised land than we've ever been. We are so close to the promised land. I know this probably just sounds like hyperbole and, and, and people think, y'all, yeah, yeah, you're just hyping people up. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I, I, have, I, feel more, I feel so different right now than I've ever felt in my life. I literally feel like there are times that I can almost hear heaven's orchestra warming up. I have days where I just wonder if Gabriel's not getting the mouthpiece on that trumpet warmed up, getting ready to blow it. I feel, I feel an expectation. I feel that it's every day of my life, this old world has less of a hold on me. I don't want this world. I thank God for what he's provided for me. But that house that I've paid payment after payment after payment on, when the Lord comes back, it's going to burn down to the ground. And these cars that we got payments that are bigger than house payments on, it's going to crumble to the ground. It's going to explode and it's going to go away but when I walk through the gates of that city I won't be worried about how big my house was because in my father's house are many mansions I 
I, I think it was, I think it was you the other day, Brother Danny. We were together. We were singing. I got a mansion just over the hilltop. Wasn't that you? Thought it was. You're so good looking. It's hard to forget. We were singing that that, that verse of that old song. I'm satisfied with just a cottage below a little silver and a little gold. But in that land where where the ransom will shine, I want a gold one that's silver lined. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I sang that as a kid, and I think, oh, how cool that's going to be. You just walk over this hill, and boom, there it is. But I'm going to tell you something that's better than the mansion I'm going to be in. I'm going to tell you something that's better than that. My mansion's going to pale in comparison. I don't even know what it's going to look like. Somebody said uh, that, that if you read in a different translation, I shouldn't even got on that in a different translation. It doesn't say many mansions. It says many rooms. My father's house are many rooms. Okay, then give me the room. Because I'm not there for the room. And I'm not there for the mansion. And I'm not there for the chariot. I want you to take me to that throne in the city where the lamb is a light. Because I'm going to bow down and cast my crowns at his feet. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to adore him. My feet will be dancing on a street of gold in that city where the lamb is the light. Matthew 24, we're getting close. I'm telling you, just listen to Pastor this morning. I, I hope this increases your faith. And for some of you, I hope it puts pressure on you. I've never felt the pressure of eternity like I feel right now. We're so close. Brother Diaz, we're close. I told you yesterday, we're close. Matthew 24 and 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Somebody read that last part for me. This gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. I sat this morning thinking about some things that I heard and read and listened to this week. Brother Snow, my heart has just been so tender before God this week when I think about this. As of right now, the best record that we have, we only have 11 countries left in the whole world that there is not an apostolic missionary on site working right now. 11 countries. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 11. You're, 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 oh, God. You're talking about this could be fixed in one camp meeting, one conference, one meeting. God calls 11 people. 11 people. 11 couples. 11 families. One of those nations, that one of those countries not open yet is Maldives. You ever seen that place? They were talking about Maldives this week. Said they don't have anybody. I said, Lord, here am I. Beautiful crystal blue water. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Caribbean looking water. I said, oh, Lord, send me. He said, no, Jack, I got you in A-Town. I'm just telling you, when somebody gets on YouTube and looks up Maldives, they're going to be like, oh, I feel the call of the Lord. Like, That's somewhere I could go to heaven from. 
Listen, let pastor preach to you. I'm being goofy. I want to preach to you right here. I'm going to help somebody. Listen, I want to tell you, we've got 11 countries left that we don't have missionaries in working right now. 11. If you're wondering what's going on in the news, man, I just felt a witness moving here right now. If you're wondering what's going on in the news right now and why this debacle's taking place in Afghanistan, all this is going on, I'm going to tell you why. You ready? Two of the 11, North Korea and Afghanistan. Why all the disruption and eruption right now in Afghanistan? I'm going to tell you why. Because these are two of the last strongholds that have to be broken and if we can get spirits of communism and 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 islam and radical islam to keep us from walking in there being being afraid so that we won't go well i'm gonna tell you we're one step ahead i have a friend that i grew up with i can't tell you his name on camera i have a friend that i grew up with and he told me some time ago he said bro it was one of the hardest days of my life he said but me and my wife went to the airport and they allowed us to come in on, on tourist visas into Pyongyang, North Korea. He said it was one of the hardest things I've ever done when me and my wife kissed our kids and told them goodbye. And I thought for, for just a fleeting moment, I may never get to see my kids again. But he and his wife and another lady went into Pyongyang, Korea. And he said we knew the whole time we were there they were recording everything we said and everything we did. He said, but we got down in our hotel rooms and we opened up the doors. And everywhere that we walked in, our, in that city, he said everywhere we walked, we were declaring the word of God and we were praying. He said we'd get over by ourselves and point like we were talking and we were praying over that city you listen to what I'm telling you that stronghold is coming down we've had apostolic feet praying in the capital of Pyongyang North Korea that thing's coming down and yes I believe that the Antichrist is more than likely going to rise up and lead from somewhere in the region of Afghanistan but he don't have the final word you listen to what I'm telling you right now. I still believe with all my heart. We found this out in Turkey and other places in the Middle East. We found out that in places, Brother Gill, where we thought this oneness message had been dead for years, that there are still people there right now today that still believe, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. You want to know what I believe? I believe we may not have a missionary there, but I believe there are people of the name that are preaching this message all over the world why is the enemy fighting right now why is he kicking up such a fuss why is there so much kickback going on right now in Afghanistan? Because his kingdom is coming down. Revelation 12 and 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you having great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. Devil your time clock is ticking down. We've got 11 nations left and this is not my promised land. We're about to take this thing for the kingdom of God and then I'm looking up because the trumpet is going to sound I'm closing I'm closing he wants us to feel hopeless my God how are we going to get in there and preach how would we ever do that how, how in the world listen I, I'm not advocating anything today I'm not pushing anything listen I, I don't believe in being reckless but you, you hear me 
We've had people preach the gospel and lose their lives for it. And if God has to send a martyr in somewhere, God has to send, he'll do it. But he will get the word of God preached in every nation of the world. I don't, you know why I believe that? Because he said it was going to happen. And he said when it happens, you just start looking up. You start looking up. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. This kingdom is bigger than COVID. This kingdom is bigger than Afghanistan. This kingdom is bigger than North Korea. This kingdom is bigger than the United States of America. And I'm going to tell you about this glorious church. We're not just coming through and doing okay on the other side of COVID. We're going to see a harvest and revival like we've never seen. I don't believe the Lord's coming back for a church that's in recovery mode after a global pandemic. I believe he's coming back for a church that's living in victory and in power and in authority. We're going out of here with victory. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. That we're going to limp through the pearly gates. That's hogwash. Listen, the devil's a liar. You hear me? The truth is not in him. We're not going. No, no, no. He, he paints this picture. Got our head wrapped. Bloody gauze on our head. Limping on crutches. Walk. Not me. Not me. Not the kingdom I'm part of. Brother Danny, we're going in. We're dancing in. We're going to shout going in. And I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be prisoners following. You hear me? There's going to be prisoners following us. There's going to be Afghans following us. There's going to be North Koreans following us. There's going to be Chinese people following us. We're going to go. And when we go, we're not limping in. But we're going to dance and shout our way through the gates of pearl. And there we will be with the Lord. Woke up this morning singing that. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, no, Pastor. What if the economy crashes? I don't live by this economy. Look, I'm, I'm just telling you all right now. My eyes are not on this world. This is not my promised land. You hear me? I don't believe it's going to happen. I, I, I'm not like, but I don't believe it's going to happen. But if we lost everything, if we lost everything, and we've got each other, we can make it. You hear me? Oh, Pastor, what about our widows? What, what about, we'll make it. We're going to make it. And we're going to stand together. Whether it's in this building or in somebody's house that didn't lose one, we're going to make it. How do you know that? Because I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his seed begging bread. We're going to make it. And this is not my promised land. Oh, Lord, you know, I have no friend 